you need if you need pens and you're in the front row, then ask somebody who's behind you to hand you a pen. What? <laughs> All right. So if you have a Bible, great. If you don't have a Bible, get one. You can go in from underneath you. Um, we're open up to Matthew chapter 13. Clipboards. One clipboards. Paper. Paper. Sorry. Everything. <laughs> Anybody else any clipboard, pen, Bible? Good. Give them what they want. Anybody need anything? All right, Matthew chapter 13. Open up your Bibles, Matthew chapter 13. We're going to do a good part of the chapter. We're going to do a couple different sections in it. This is the parable of the sower. So if you've been here, we've been going through the parables. Uh, There's different parables, different speakers. And then this week, I'm teaching on the parable of the sower. So I'm going to read... Part of verse thir- uh, chapter 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered around him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and you will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. So we're going to end there right now. Um, we'll get into the explanation as I go through through the passage. 
So setting here, this is, this is after Jesus has had a long day. He's already been uh, healing people and speaking to people and talking, giving different uh, sermons and discussions. And this is after all of that. So that same day he went out of the house he was in and he sat beside the sea. So this is him towards the end of the day. Uh, it's a large crowd he is addressing and he's uh, doing this from a boat on a, on a lake. As I was actually preparing for this initially, I was reading it and I was sitting beside Lake Tahoe and I was like seeing the boats out there. Like, oh, this is pretty cool. Uh, there's a, you get the setting, there's people out on the boats and it's like we're here on the beach and like big crowd. And so it's, it's similar to that. You have... There's a big crowd of people, and Jesus is out there just preaching from the boat to the to the rest of the crowd. And he's speaking in parables. This is Isaac has t- touched on this a little bit, and we've, we've been talking about parables, but there's there's a purpose in parables. That's why I read, read that section in between the parable and the explanation of the parable is, is there is a purpose to parables. It's going to harden people's hearts, or it's going to bring them closer and have them ask questions about the parable. You see the response from the disciples. They, their hearts weren't hardened, but they, they asked these questions. Like, like, what does this mean? Explain this to us. And it helps them to dive deeper. It's not just Jesus is laying the truth out there and people are just hearing or not hearing. It's, it's, it's drawing those who would hear in closer so that they can understand more and ask, ask more deeper questions. And so this, this is, for you guys, as you're hearing these parables that we're going through, it's important to, to check your heart. Like, are you hardened by these parables? You just hear, like, ah, oh, that's a cool story, whatever. Or are you softened? Like, does it drive you to ask more questions? Does it make you want to go deeper and figure out, what is, what is Christ talking about in these parables and other parts of Scripture as well? Like, does, it, does it drive you to ask more questions and to go deeper? Or does it just harden your heart? So that's the context of, of this parable. And that's the, that's the purpose of parables in general. And that the passage that he quotes in Isaiah, it's from Isaiah 6. Um, if, you've, if you follow the Bible through a year plan, you've gone through Isaiah 6 recently. Uh, that's, what I'm, that's the plan I'm doing right now. So you've gone through Isaiah 6, and it's right, right there, it's, Isaiah's before the throne room of God, and he's asking God, like, like, like send me. I'll, I'll go to these people. I'll, I'll preach, preach the gospel. And then this is, this is uh, God's response to him. It's like, you're going to preach, but they're, they're not going to hear. They're not going to understand. You're going to tell them these things, and you're going to be rejected. And so that, that applies here to this passage of the gospel and uh, God's good news. So this is very much... Uh, a parable that is the gospel. This is very much a parable that is centered on the good news of Christ and the reception that people have to it. So if you go to Matthew 13, verse 18, it starts explaining the parable. So in verse 18, it talks about the, it starts talking about the sower. And so let's read that. It says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So the first one is the the seeds on the path. So the seed, 
as you can imagine, is the word of God coming through the gospel. It's people preaching the gospel. It could be you guys spreading the seed. You guys could be the sower, or it could be somebody else who's sowing the seed in your hearts and lives. And there's, there's different sowers out there. But the seed is the gospel. And when you proclaim the gospel, you're spreading seeds. You're the sower. You're taking your hand in the bag and you're spreading your seeds. It's landing on different soils, landing on different people's hearts and people's lives. And your, your job is to spread the seeds. The seed on the path is sharing the gospel and it falls on hearts that are hardened. This can happen a lot of times if you just like, if you're going to share the gospel, for example, uh, if you go out to Todos Santos Plaza, or if you go to here Pleasant Hill or something, you might encounter a lot of hearts that are hardened. If you're just going to people who are not in the church necessarily, their their hearts can be hardened. And you'll share the gospel maybe with your friend or your classmate, and almost immediately the devil will snatch that seed away. The devil will come and snatch it away and say that no, this this, this person's not hearing the gospel. Their heart is hardened, and they hate God. And so this, this can happen a lot of times if, you've, if you have an experience um, sharing the gospel with somebody who is heart, who their heart is uh, the path, on the path. And you just experience just a lot of hardness. They don't want to hear the gospel. Maybe it's a family member that you have, and they're like, no, 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 no that's for you, but I, I don't want to hear it. I'm just hostile to it. And that can happen in various degrees. Either they're openly hostile and is angry and abusive, or they're just saying, no, 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 I just don't want to hear it. And that's, that's a hard place to be. And maybe that's some of you in this room as well. It's, it's a hard place to be. Your, your heart is hardened to the gospel. You don't care about what God has to say or, or what he has for you. Maybe you hear this and you're just like, yep. He's just talking about the gospel. Goodbye. I'm going to go somewhere else in my mind. My heart's just going to be hardened towards this. I'm coming here because my parents are making me whatever, but I don't want to be here. And I, I hope that's no, nobody nobody here. But, but if that, that is you, so, soften your heart. And then we have the next soil. It says uh, in verse 20, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So this is a seed on the rocky ground. This is someone you can hear the gospel, can come into church and say, oh yeah, I'm saved, I believe. May even get baptized and uh, have a testimony like Richard had and they might seem like they're a Christian but then when persecution comes when things get hard I'm like ah actually no I'm, I'm, I'm not really a Christian I'm out I, I didn't realize it was going to be this hard I didn't realize there was going to be struggles and persecution or trials like this I didn't realize I'd have to give up these certain things I have to live my life a certain way like live it for God and, and, and what he wants instead of what I want so when things get hard, they show their true colors and fall away. It's not like they were a Christian and then they lost their salvation. So from here, it's clear that they they never were saved. They they showed the appearance of salvation, but they but they had no root. Um, just, there's no root in himself. It says, "Dures for a while, then 
and falls away. So that's, that's something to ask yourself. Like when things get hard, is do you start falling away? Are you somebody who is in that rocky ground? And you can see like, oh yeah, I'm just along for the ride, but yeah, I guess that's right. Whenever I do see things are going to get hard, I, I might be more sh- tend to shy away and not really want to pay the price. And if you were in the rocky, if you're on the rocky ground, you're not a Christian. This might be just something you're doing for a while and something that's nice, and then you go away to college and things start to get hard. People ask hard questions and people are making fun of you because you're doing Christian things. And you realize in yourself, like, oh, yeah, I, I'm actually not a Christian. I was doing it because it was easy. And that's what my friends were doing and whatever. And, but now that's actually my choice and that's uh, it's something I have to try to do, then, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a Christian. And so examine your life for that. See, are, are, you, are you a Christian? And this is, this is good to see as well if you're, not, if you're sharing the gospel with people. Is, is, that, is that faith genuine? Like as, you, as you're sharing the gospel, like maybe it's like they sprout up really quick, but then just try to disciple the people as you're sharing the gospel and they accept the salvation. Try to disciple them and help them and talk to them about, about the struggles and trials of being a Christian. Help them through rough patches. And then we see the seeds in the thorny ground. It says, verse 22, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But like the, like the one in the rocky ground. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This one I think is very, very prevalent. As there's less likely to be persecution and trials, like at the rocky ground. But this form of, of an unbeliever, I think, is very common, and especially in, in our circles. It's similar to the rocky ground. Both express repentance. Both express sorrow over sin and, and acceptance of the gospel. And they have look like they have root, and they, they start sprouting up. But then they, they fall away like the ones in the rocky soil. They fall away for a different reason. Instead of falling away because things are hard, the people in the thorny ground group fall away because they get bored. They just they find something else that's new and shiny, something else that sounds cooler or better. It's not as boring as coming here and, and uh, listening to a sermon. You get to go do whatever you want to do. Uh, it's, it's something that's more exciting and, and enticing. If you find something else that seems like it has more to offer than Christ and the gospel, rather trace after it says riches or pleasure. And oftentimes these people still call themselves a Christian. I think there's there's a lot of people I would I would look at and think like oh, yeah that might be a Christian, but I don't know. It's just hard to tell in their heart. And you might see them in church. There's definitely people in church in this in this category, and there's def- definitely people just around the world who call themselves Christians. Are not Christians. A true Christian, you'll you'll know them by by their fruit. You'll know them by how they act and how they live their lives. And eventually, uh, this this type of Christian will 
or this type of person who calls himself a Christian, uh, the person in the thorny ground, they'll fall away in some way. Maybe they'll still be a Christian in name only, but they've fallen away from what, what God would have them do. And true Christian will put God first and seek to serve him despite their failings. Yes, you'll fail and you'll be like these type of people as a Christian. There'll be times where you're hard-hearted. I have the people on the path. There'll be times where you're, you're, you're trembling, you're falling away a little bit because things are getting hard. And there's times where something else will seem like it's, it's fun and you'll want to chase after the world. But a true Christian will, will always come back. A true Christian will, despite their failings, will still be bearing fruit. Somebody who is in this, this state, in this soil of thorny ground, will be chasing after the world. They'll have their priorities wrong. God will be an afterthought. They'll be seeking, what can I do with my life? How can I better uh, satisfy myself or better myself in the world, whether it's trying to get a better job and pushing Christ off to the side, trying to get a better school or grade and trying to push Christ off to the side or trying to, whatever it is, like be impressive to your friends or be cool uh, among your peers and just chasing after sports or whatever it is. And it's just got, you see God just afterthought. He's just there in the corner. He's just, your life has been filled up with thing after thing after shiny thing. And then you look around like, where'd God go? He's, he's, he's under the corner in the basket. He's gone. You, he's, you haven't even realized you still call yourself a Christian, but you didn't realize God's not a part of your life, really. It's a name only. And this is, this is something to be, to be very aware of. Like, and this is, the devil is, is trying to plant these thorns. In lives of the unbeliever who think they're Christians and trying to squeeze out the gospel they thought they had and make them so that they never never get saved. Or in the life of the believer, is trying to choke them so hard that they're barely effective as a follower of Christ. Maybe, yeah, maybe they're a Christian, but they're so weak as a Christian because they've given in to temptation after temptation that the devil has placed in front of them. And they're just so choked out. They're just like, there in the corner, just barely hanging on, as it were, and just just so ineffective as a Christian. Just make sure that you don't become an ineffective Christian if you are a believer. This is this is something that, that plagues a lot of us, I feel like, in the church in America. And it's just, especially here in California, we're so nice. This is the pleasure state. Just, everything is just available at your fingertips. Even, even God's creation, the outdoors, at your fingertips, you have Yosemite, you have the ocean, you have the snow, you have just everything. And it's like, even God's creation can be those thorns. And you're just running after the creation rather than the creator. And you just get consumed by what's going on around you. And lastly, not in the sermon, but lastly in the, in the soil, um, we have the seeds that fall on the good soil. Verse 23, it says, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. So this seed is, is one that falls on good soil. You see, it produces real repenting believers. 
Can you examine your life well enough to know you are the good soil? Can you really, like, think hard about it? It's, I suffer from this as well. It's, it's hard to think long about one thing, like deep, long and deep about one thing. We live in a very fast-paced environment, and you're just like, go, go, go. I just, I just do the next thing that's in front of me. I've laid out tasks, and I do the tasks, and that's the next thing in front of me. I'm going to go do it. I mean, I, I thought about it, whatever, briefly for 10 minutes, 10 seconds. Um, but did I actually really, really examine my motives? Did I really examine, like, what am I doing here? Like, how often do you guys think deeply about things? Just take some time, just, like, sit, just, like, am I actually a believer? Am I actually following Christ? Am I actually part of the good soil? Do I, do I receive the word? Do I, am I ready to receive what God has for me in his word? It's, it's good to take those times and to think. Um, I say 10 minutes is a short time because it is a short time. It's, it might seem like a very long time to think about one thing. 10 minutes just thinking about one thing. That's, that's a very short time. Um, just like think about something for a long, long time. Just think about things just in general, even for a long time. But ha- have you seen fruit? Like, can you call your, can you see that you, you are a Christian? Can you see that you have fruit? Like we use the word, word fruit. And in this, and this, it says that there's fruit, they bear fruit a hundred fold, 30 fold, 60 fold, whatever, these different folds of fruit. Do you guys know what it means like to bear fruit? We talk about it, talk about it a lot. And he's like, give God your first fruits. Let's bear fruit. Do you see fruit in your life? Do you are you bearing hundredfold fruit? A very, very fruit-filled uh, Bible. And it's just, it's think about what what that what that means. Like, do you see the results in your life? Do you see a change? Do you see things happening in your life that identify you or markers that show you're a Christian? That's what, that's what fruit is. As you're trying to glorify God to the best of your ability. And in that, there'll be some evidences of that, the fruit, or there'll be results of that fruit. Uh, where you're be able to minister to other people. People say, oh, yeah, I've been ministered to you, by you. Um, that's just ministered to me in the gospel, and, and that's, that's fruit. So it can, like I said earlier, it might be times in your life where you are seemingly fruitless. And you're thinking like, I think I'm a Christian, but I just, hundredfold fruit? I don't know. Sixtyfold? That seems like a lot. Thirtyfold? That's a lot. A good, like I, I looked at it beforehand, like, what's the, what's the folds of fruit? Since it's talking about like agriculture and stuff, like a good crop would be like tenfold. And it would produce like tenfold. That's a good crop. So thirty, thirtyfold is a lot. It's really good. Um, but it's, like, do you have fruit? Like maybe you're like seeing like, yeah, maybe like I have like, Two-fold fruit in my life. Um, like sometimes, like we seem like we're fruitless. Like I, I have times in my life where I just go up and down. And I'm in ministry. Maybe I'm. I've had times here in TYG where I'm just seeing like, what am I doing here? I'm apathetic about it. I'm just, I'm just going through the motions. I don't see fruit. Um, and it's just like, what, what am I even doing here? It's, it's sometimes it's due to depression. Or sometimes it's maybe it's unrepentant sin in my life. I'm just not dealing with sin in my life. And it can lead to apathy and just going through the motions. I don't see any fruit in my life. And so you guys will have that too as believers. 
you may see see like yeah I'm, I'm definitely a Christian I believe in Christ but I'm just I'm not seeing from some fruit right now I just encourage you guys you will break out of that apathy you will you can break out of that depression that sin and you can have, have the fruit again in your life you will, a true Christian won't stray for long and even in my imperfect serving even when I feel like I'm at my worst there's there's still fruit there God is still using my imperfection my apathy, my sin, and he's he's using it for his glory. He's using it to speak in other people's lives and using it to to break me and change me and um, there's still there's still fruit. I mean maybe it is just the, the twofold fruit. You're just like a little bit there, but there's still something that is bringing glory to God in your life if you're a believer. There's still something that that is pleasing to him and honoring to him in your life. And if you're, if you're a believer and you're struggling with, with feeling like you're in the, in the rocky ground or, the, or, the, uh, or in, the, in the thorny ground, or maybe even you have a hard heart right now, you feel like, I'm on the path, I'm a believer, but I feel like sometimes my heart's going towards the path, and then just, just pray about that. Ask, ask other believers to help you because you, you can't break out of that on your own. You need... God to help you confront that sin. You need God to help you confront that apathy. You need God to help you with, with whatever it is that's that's leaving you feeling uh, hard or uh, wanting to chase after the world or wanting to fall away because it's, it's just hard out there. And you need other believers to come alongside you, help you, minister to you, and set you on, back in the good soil, ready to receive God's good word. And I just I ask also just say it's we'll always like always have fruit and it might not be as plentiful not taste as good but it's still there and, just, and are you content as a believer to be that twofold fruit a thirtyfold fruit whatever it is and usually we use the word content like saying like Oh yeah, I should be content with being the twofold fruit or thirtyfold. No, no. Like sometimes it's good not to be content. Um, sometimes it's good to be discontent with with where we're at in our, in our lives and in our walk with Christ. And we should strive to be the hundredfold fruit. It's not there just saying like and a hundredfold fruit and you can't get there, but it's there just just dangling in front of you. Haha, you're just the twofold fruit. Um, but no, it's we we can bear lots of fruit for Christ. We can strive to serve him with everything we have, not just be content with like, ah, yeah, I'm a Christian and I'm going to heaven and I guess I have that little fruit and I'm I'm just kind of serving him every once in a while, but I still just want to have my my stuff, my thorns that are choking him out, and I still kind of want to uh, have my little rock collection and and just and just be uh, with that and just when things get hard, I just go to my rock collection. Um, I just encourage you guys to to serve Christ with everything you have. Christian life isn't meant to be easy. We're not meant to be complacent and just float through until the end, until we die. We're not here just to wait. And we're not just like in a waiting room waiting to die. We're here to work, work. We're here to do hard things. We're here to pick up our cross daily. We're here to fight the good fight. We're here to run the race. All this imagery that's in the in the Bible—it's a hard thing to be a Christian. It's a hard thing to chase after Christ. It's a hard thing to to love Him with everything that we have and try to 
bear fruit for him. And and it's it's also not a a comparison either, though. It's not like you look at somebody like, I think I'm bearing more fruit than Jerry. At least I'm doing better than him. Uh, Look at him. He just, he has a tomato as his fruit. That's barely a fruit. Uh, like, can it be classified as a fruit? Like, I, I have, I have my, my oranges. They're good. They're ripe. Um, but yeah, Jerry. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're not, we're not looking at other people and just saying, you know, at least I'm doing better than this guy. I have my, my oranges. We should, we should, shouldn't be trying to compare our fruits, our apples to oranges, as it were. We're trying to, trying to bear as much fruit as we can for Christ. Right? It's not about you trying to do better than somebody else and, look, and trying to be complacent and content with with your oranges. It's trying to, like, what, what else can I do for God? Like, how else can I be living my life for Christ? In what areas do I need to root out my sin? In what areas do I need to just find ways I can love others better? What, how can I be pouring my, my time into the scripture and examining and seeing who this awesome God is I'm, I'm serving and worshiping. Like, how, how are different ways that you can be bearing this fruit? How are different ways that you can be seeking to worship this awesome God that we have, this creator who created us, sustained us, and, and keeps us in his palm of his hand and cares for us? Like, how can you be beholding him more and seeking to love him more? I'll take a take a pause here, and just, and just in case this is becoming too much of a do better, try harder sermon, uh, it's not about that, right? Like we, we we try to try to bear this fruit for Christ, try to strive and, and and do everything we can for Him, but it isn't about me and me trying harder, right? There has to be to be that you striving to serve God, but it's not about me trying to do harder because God's not going to love you anymore. And he already does if you're a believer. He already loves you perfectly. And he's the one who, who makes the soil good to receive the word. You didn't get there by yourself. And he's, he's the one who makes you bear fruit for him. He, he's the one who is in control of that. He's the one who sustains that. And so it, it is all about him. We need to repent of our sins. We need to believe in him. But this extra stuff that we do, this extra stuff that we do to bear fruit and to honor him and love him, that, that's stuff that we get to do. That's not something that we, we have to do to, be, to earn his, his love and his, his, uh, his way, way to heaven, but we don't earn any of that. We, we, could, we could easily be just on the, on the rocky path. We could easily be on... Uh, just the path, or our hearts are hardened, or we could be uh, on the thorny, on the thorny soil. But for some reason, He chose to love you if you're a believer. He chose to take your life as it was headed on the path to hell, and chose to change your heart and to to make you one of His children, to love you, to sacrifice His Son for you. And that's that's amazing. And because of that, we get to bear this fruit, right? We, we get to love him with everything we have. We get to serve him with everything we have. That's a very important perception to have as we talk about things like this. That it has to be out of a love for him. I'm beholding him, not trying to do better and earn his love, but to serve him because he first loved us. To serve him because 
He is worthy of our love and our service. And if you're, if you're not a if you're not a believer in this room and you're not part of the good soil, and your heart heart is hardened, to your heart is um, with the thorns and it just can choked out, rocky rocky path, rocky th- rocky soil. And I just pray that you guys would receive the gospel, that you would be examining your life to see what what soil are you? Are you on the path? Are you on the bad soil? Are you are you ready to receive the gospel? Are you ready to to glorify God. We don't pick we don't pick the soils. We're not responsible for changing people's hearts. Passages like this are very helpful in understanding what's going on behind the scenes. You see, as you're sharing the gospel with people, it's helpful to see. Okay, yeah, this person is just their heart's hardened. Um, it's not hardened at you. It's hardened at God, and and this is something that the devil is in there trying to harden their hearts. Or you see with the, the rocky ground or the or the thorny ground, you see the devil's planting temptations in front of people, and that's and it's hard uh, for them to receive. And it's, it also explains why you see like believers supposedly falling away. And it's hard to wrestle with that. Like, how can somebody just fall away from God? It's like it's because they never had a root. They were just they were just there, and they just got choked out, and they never were a believer. As it's helpful to understand that as, as a believer and seeing why people fall away from the church sometimes. We're not responsible for changing people's hearts. Only God, only God can do that. And it's, and it's not helpful to, to try to like, look at your peers and just be like, hmm, that guy right there, I think he's on, he's on the, th- the thorny path. He's on the thorny soil. Um, so like you can't tr- tr- try to like put a person in a specific group. You can sometimes... You can kind of see, like, it seems like they're on the on the thorny path, just the way they're acting with their life and striving after other things and not prioritizing God. But you don't know their hearts. You don't know where they're at. They could be a believer, and you're just and you're making an assumption that this person is not a believer, and you don't know. But you can talk to them and try to help them because believer or not believer, they're probably in sin. <laughs> it seems like they're going down one of these paths and one of these soils, and it seems like you know, they're just not receptive to the gospel right now, or they're just not. They're just living their life for themselves, and it's helpful to address that sin, believer or unbeliever. You don't know. You just you just know that that God would have you speak to them. And in a youth group our size, there's there's probably people in each category. You just don't know. There's probably hard hearts here. There's people who seem like they're believers and they're not. And a lot of people people lie, lie to themselves. As uh, you notice. Half half of these groups lie to themselves. And there's just four four groups. And one, one of them is very honest, and they say we reject we reject God. One of them is very honest, and they say well, they love God, and the other two are are lying to themselves. They think they think they're believers, or they lie to everybody around them and say I'm a believer, I'm here, and just kind of floating through. But at the end, they fall away. And that's I think that's very important to see that, that people lie to themselves. And a lot of people in youth group even end up falling away. They lie themselves to our youth group. They say, I'm a believer. They serve in different capacities. And their peers say, like, oh, wow, that guy is kind of cool. Look at him stacking the chairs. Or look at him. He's like serving. He's getting up and doing a little devotional or whatever. And it's it's a lie. And, and that makes itself known after youth group or sometime later. And it's it's important not to lie to yourself. It's 
you have to be honest and, and have that, that time where you think deeply about things, think deeply about, am I a Christian or am I just lying to myself? Do I actually have root? Do I actually have fruit? Do I, is there things I can point to my life and say, yes, I'm a Christian because God is good to me and he's, I've seen this evidence in my life of him changing me in this way or I've seen this and, I, and it just makes me love God and I repent of my sin and it, I just can't hide my sin and it just it burns inside me when, I, when, I, when I'm lying and living a life of, of sin and I just, it, my conscience, the Holy Spirit stirs inside me and burns me and just, I gotta, I gotta speak. I gotta let it out. I gotta confess my sin. I can't live in this unrepentant sin. I, like if, if that's not happening, if you don't feel the Holy Spirit inside you convicting you, or causing you to repent, or causing you to, to exclaim and just how, how awesome God is, and you're, then like, are you a Christian? Do you do you have the stuff like that in your life where you can see that, that God is real in my life? That God is my God, not just a God, not my parents' God. He's my God. I encourage you guys all to be intentional in conversations with each other. You can preach Christ to each other. Like we all need it. Preach Christ. Like this is this is an encouraging passage to preach Christ to other people. This is like I said earlier that that uh, passage in Isaiah he's he's quoting. That's a, a gospel passage used a lot of the missionaries. Like here I am, send me. Uh, right before the right before the section he quotes. And this is a very gospel-centered message. Like we have to be considering that our people in different situations in life. Like how can I approach approach this person with the gospel? Like how can I, this person seems like maybe they're hard-hearted. How can I approach a person who's hard-hearted? It seems like their their heart isn't on the path. Or how can this person seems like they're, they're looking at the cares of the world more. Like, how can I approach this person, the gospel, as somebody who loves stuff, and pleasure, and riches rather than God? How can I approach this person who seems like they're they're on the rocky path, or seems like they just are scared of the different struggles and trials of being a believer? And how can I pr- approach that person and share the gospel with them? And the person who's on the good soil, who's yet to hear the gospel and you're, you're preaching the gospel to them and they're accepting it or somebody who's a believer and you still preach the gospel to believers. We all need to hear the gospel. We need to hear how God uh, has saved us and be reminded of that. Be reminded of God's goodness to us. Be reminded of who God is in our lives, of who we are and our sin and, and how we need to repent of our sin daily because we sin daily, sin all the time and we need to be daily repenting daily coming back to Christ and daily be reminded of God's forgiveness, his goodness, goodness to us in our lives. So I encourage you guys to be sharing the gospel with everybody. Believer, not believer, everybody. Different soils. That's just good to consider these different different soils. I do want to also touch on a different parable in the bottom of your notes. Uh, parable of the weeds. Go this one quickly. This one is just, it's very similar. It's a very similar parable. It's touching on soils and, and crops and stuff. And it's in the, very, in the very same context and time that he was doing that parable. 
So verse 24, it says, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and were bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. And then skipping down to the explanation of it in verse 36. And he left the crowds and went to the house and his disciples came to him and saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Again, they're coming to him and like asking for further explanation, trying to dive deeper into this parable. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the son, sons of the kingdom. But the weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. So I just, and this one this is a warning to those who are not saved. So if you're here and you see, see that you might be seed that fell on the path, the seed that fell on the rocky soil, the seed that fell on the thorny soil. This is, and you're also, the weeds that were planted in this, in this passage. You might be growing up next to the wheat, and you might, what, maybe at early stages, weeds, and depending on what kind of weed it is, and the wheat might seem like the same. They look the same, the same life. They're planted in the same ground. We're both here on the earth together. Got the same life, getting watered the same, getting the same air and sunshine, and you're both growing up tall, strong together, and it just seems like your life is the same. Maybe that's some of you guys here now. It might seem like I'm just, just the same as everybody else. Like, what's what's the difference? Do I really need God? Like, what's how is my life worse off than this person's? Do I do I really need God in my life? Am I just is there any consequences or anything different? And you might not even know. I mean, you just need to ask yourself that question. You might not even know you're a weed. You might, might, might be deceiving yourself, but just beware. Just because your life looks the same as the wheat doesn't mean it's going to end the same. Just because you're going to live the same life and, and experience the same things and die the same death doesn't mean it's going to end the same for you. Just don't don't mistake God's patience for permission. A lot of times, even as a believer, you can say, well, nothing bad has happened yet. (laughs) God hasn't punished me, so it can't be that bad, right? Don't don't wait until God punishes you. Don't, Don't wait, right? Just because he's being kind 
and patient towards you doesn't mean you should continue in your sin. doesn't mean you should continue in the way you're going. We're all going to die at the harvest. And we'll be separated, and Christians are going to go on to glory. We're going to be with our, our Father, our good and gracious God forever. We're to serve Him, love Him. And unbelievers, which may be some of you, will go on to eternal punishment, as that passage says. So are you, are you here? Just ask yourself if you're here. Are you, do you have a hard heart to the gospel? You identify with the seeds of the path. I'd ask you guys, please soften your heart. That's, that's the hardest thing to do. I just, you hear a sermon like this, you're, the devil's going to harden your heart even harder. And it's, it's soften your heart. Soften your heart. Ask for God to soften your hearts. I preach this, this, this good news because we love, we love every, every one of you guys. I want you guys to, to see and hear how glorious Christ is, to be reminded if you're a believer how glorious Christ is. Now, are you here and if you, you can tell that you fall away from Christ? You can tend to fall away from Christ when things get hard and maybe you've been lying to yourself, you don't really believe, you think you're on the, on the rocky ground. Examine your life. Like how much important is Christ than an easy life? Paying for your sin in hell is far more excruciating than suffering for Christ for a little while. That's a, that's a poor poor reason to follow Christ, but you think you're falling away because it's hard to be a Christian. It's much harder to not be a Christian. It's much harder in the end. And God is more glorious than, than suffering and the pain that that can bring. Maybe you're here and you can identify with a thorny ground. And you choke the gospel out with the pleasures of this world. You keep adding thing after thing after good thing after bad thing. And just Christ is more infinite worth than any of those things. He's better than any shiny trinkets you could, you could add to your life. Don't put sports or school or friends or work, relationships, career, games, or anything above Christ. Don't, don't put him and shove him in that corner. Make sure that he is first in your life. If you're, if you're an unbeliever in there, then just make sure that you need to repent and, of that and find Christ for real, not, not just live the lie. I just pray that you guys are ultimately all part of the good soil, that ultimately you guys, our hearts are changed if you're an unbeliever and you're one of these other soils and you, your hearts are are prepared for the gospel and that we all get to spend an eternity together worshiping our awesome God. He is, he is worthy of everything, guys. He is worthy and glorious. He's awesome. I just pray that you guys all uh, get to be with him forever in eternity. Let's pray. God, you are such a good and awesome God. You're worthy of our praise. Lord, I, I just pray for everyone's hearts here tonight, whatever soil they may be in. I just pray that you would soften hearts, that you would change hearts, that everyone be receptive to the gospel. We would all love you with everything we have. 
that people are living a lie, that they would stop lying to themselves. They would seek you, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would do these good works that you have set before us uh, as, as believers here, that we would be able to worship you and honor you and everything we have. And Father, I pray that we would seek to serve you to our utmost, to bear a hundredfold fruit if we can, Lord. And just, I just pray that that wouldn't be something that we strive to do on our own, but it would be, we'd be doing it out of a love for you, just because how much we love you and how good you have been to us. Lord, I just pray as we go from here that we would just not be like somebody who just looks in the mirror and just forgets what they just saw, but they, we would all remember your word, remember your truth, remember your gospel, that it would impact all of us deeply. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.